Good to see all of you this morning. Let me add Happy Mother's Day, too, to all the mothers both viewing us live stream and here in the auditorium this morning. We're glad all of you are here this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 this morning. We are into week three of a 13-week study through 2 Corinthians, all about learning about serving the Lord. What does it mean to be a servant of God? How do we serve the Lord effectively? What does God expect of his servants? We've been learning in the first couple of weeks that, first of all, as Christians, we are saved not only to have a relationship with God, we are saved to serve. We're not only to be involved in serving God here on earth, but one day we will even serve him throughout our thousand-year reign with him on earth and on into an unending eternity. The book of Revelation and other places in Scripture says we will serve him forever and ever. One of the things that all of us as Christians should aspire to hear from the Lord one day when we get to glory is, well done, good and faithful, what? Servant. Yeah, servant. And we have seen, not only are we saved to serve, but that service has much more to do with who we are than what we do. So often as Christians, we reduce our service to God as the acts of service that we perform, the roles, the responsibilities, the duties that we take on every once in a while. But God wants us to see way beyond that. that. That, yes, that is part of what we do as a servant, but it's also the fact that you and I are serving the Lord as his followers 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. We are always to be at the disposal of God. Therefore, we should always have the mentality of a servant. We should never take off the servant's apron, if you will, or even using Jesus as an example when he washed his disciples' feet, when he put the towel and tied it around his waist and knelt down to wash their feet. That should always be the mentality that we have. We're always ready, God, to wash whosever feet you have us to wash, in a sense, that day. So today's message is going to follow along those lines. Not so much talking about our roles, our responsibilities, our duties, our acts of service that we do, but the fact is that we are a servant of God at all times. Whatever he taps us to do at any moment, we should be ready and willing to do that. But the message today from Paul in second chapter uh, of Corinthians chapter 3 is it has to be done in the sufficiency of the Spirit of God. That's the only way that we will be able to serve the Lord in any capacity is through the sufficiency of the Spirit of God, which is why when we became a Christian, God, the Spirit, came into us and literally now dwells inside of us 24-7, 365 days a year. He's always with us because when we understand what God really means by serving him, 
then we understand that we need to rely and depend upon the sufficiency of the Spirit of God who lives within us at all times. So I want to begin, we'll go back to the beginning, but I want to begin in verse 17 with just the first few words of why the Spirit is sufficient or why the Spirit is enough. Because Paul said to the Corinthians, now the Lord is the Spirit. The Spirit of God is as much God as God the Son and God the Father. <laughs> and the Spirit of God is the Lord too, just like the Son of God is the Lord and God the Father is the Lord. He is the almighty creator, ruler of the universe. And this God, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, lives inside of us as Christ followers. That's why the Spirit of God who lives within us is enough, because He is the Lord. He is Adonai. He is the almighty, all-resourceful, infinite God in whom there are no limitations. That God lives inside of you today. In this chapter, Paul says, when we come to recognize the sufficiency of the Spirit, hopefully we will also then begin to allow the Spirit of God to do what God placed him here to do and what the Spirit of God wants to do when he's inside of us. And it all goes back to learning what it really means to serve the Lord. So I want to go back to the first couple of verses, if you'll go back there with me. One of the things that is happening here that I don't want to take too much time to, to get into is that Paul's ministry amongst the Corinthians was sort of trying to be undermined by others. Maybe it was jealousy or envy or whatever. And, and one of the things that they brought up is, well, what kind of credentials or references, if you will, do you have, Paul? You know, th that type of thing. And that's why Paul is saying the things that he's saying. He's basically saying, you, you're my references. You're, you're my credential. And I want us to be reminded of that. So many times as Christians, we talk about serving the Lord. It's like, well, I can't serve the Lord because I didn't go to Bible college or seminary or I haven't been trained in yada, yada this and I don't have these you know, degrees behind my name and all this kind of stuff. And what Paul's basically saying is at the end of the day, you know what really the biggest credentials are in God's mind, what the biggest letters of reference are? People. If, if you're being used by God to impact and influence other people, then they're your re reference letters. They're your credentials. And that's what Paul's saying here. Are we beginning again to commend ourselves again? We don't need letters of recommendation to you or from you as some other people do, do we? You yourselves are our letter written, engraved on our hearts, known and read by everyone, revealing that you are a letter of Christ, delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on stone tablets like Moses had with the law, but on tablets of human hearts. The first thing I want us to see about what the spirit of God was placed inside of us to do is God wants to write a unique story through you to impact and influence other people. You notice there, 
He says to these Christians in Corinth, you are a letter of Christ. God has a story that he wants to write through your life, a God story, his own message through you, his own letter, his own epistle, if you will. You see, yes, this is the the word of God from Genesis to Revelation, but God has other letters, if you will, that he wants to write to beyond this book. And those letters are us, other Christians, that he wants to use because he says, all of us, whether we are conscious or unconscious of it, our life is being known and read by people around us. Whether we like it or not, they're watching, they're observing, they're taking account, they're considering. Our life is on display at all times. And God wants to use his spirit to write them a letter from him through you to them to begin to show them aspects of who he is his nature, his character, his attributes, and he wants to do it through you. But notice something. Paul says, before God can write a letter to others through us, he's got to first write something in us. Notice, he says, I'm not talking about a pen I'm talking about you and I as Christians even allowing the spirit of the living God, don't miss it at the end of verse 3, writing things on the surface of our heart so that it's engraved there, so that it's inscribed there, so that it penetrates to a heart level where we carry that all the time. It's not superficial. It's not surface. It, it won't leave us. He, he wants to literally write things on our heart that are there permanently. And the only way that can happen is not with ink, not with any kind of human utensil or, or tablet or writing thing. No, with the Spirit of God. So even today, I want you to keep this in mind even up to the end. The Spirit of God either wants to begin today writing something on your heart or continue writing something on your heart because it's part of the story that he is writing in you so that he can use you and I as we move throughout our lives to write through us so that when others read our lives, if you will, that we become a living book of God to them and that they can begin to see God through our lives. Are we allowing the Spirit of God to write his story in us and through us? See, that, that's why we have to realize that serving is so much more than just whatever acts and duties and responsibilities and roles I may take on in my life, it's always a part of me. Because everywhere I go, as we've been talking about in the first couple of weeks of this series, to everyone I meet, known and read by all men, God wants to send a message to others through us. 
But that's got to start not with him writing through us, but first us allowing him through the spirit of God that lives within us to write and engrave and inscribe things on our heart. What have we allowed or what are we allowing God to write on our hearts that we are carrying with us at all times? Not something, again, that we can easily let go of and move on from, but it stays with us. Because once the Spirit of God, and I'll just use a modern, you know, illustration, once the Spirit of God has tattooed your heart, engraved your heart, inscribed it on your heart, you will carry it with you for the rest of your life. Because see, what God does is permanent. God isn't interested in superficial, surfacey stuff that doesn't last. What God wants to do in our lives through the Spirit that dwells in us is permanent. It lasts. It continues. It remains. It abides. So that's the first thing that Paul wants to point out to us today, is that we've got to understand that the Spirit of God is God. He lives within us, and he's enough. He is sufficient, and he will be sufficient to write whatever story God wants to write in us so that he can write it through us, so that he can use our lives to influence and impact all those that come, we come in contact with throughout our life. Secondly, look at verse 4. Now we have such confidence in God through Christ. Not that we are adequate or competent in ourselves to consider anything as if it were coming from ourselves, but our adequacy, our sufficiency, our ability is from God, who made us adequate to be servants of a new covenant, not based on the letter, but again, on the Spirit. The second thing we see then in this chapter is beyond the Spirit of God wanting to write a letter to others through us, the Spirit of God also makes us adequate to be His servant. He literally is the one who enables us and equips us with all that we need in order to serve God. Again, so many Christians, one of two extremes. They, they either never feel adequate, which means then you've never really come to grips with the fact that the one who lives inside of you, the Spirit of God, is enough. Because if you truly believe that the Spirit of God, the Lord, lives inside of you, and that being God, he can enable you and equip you and give you everything you need in order to serve him, that, that you come to that grip. Or you may be like a lot of Christians who feel like, Lord, what I'm doing for you, I got it. I'm adequate enough. I, I got this. Okay? That's the other extreme. And all I would say to those folks are, then you're not serving the Lord to the degree that God wants you to serve him at. Because if you and I feel like we can serve the Lord at the level that he wants us to without him, without always relying and depending upon him and allowing him to make us adequate, then we're not thinking big enough. We're not doing big enough. 
if, if we feel like we can handle it on our own apart from God, then we're not serving the Lord to the degree we should be. Because God will always ask his servants to serve him beyond themselves. So that builds in then to our life and service a constant reliance and dependence on him. And let me say this, for those Christians who feel like, well, when we get to heaven, I'm not going to have to do that anymore. Oh, no, no, no. The Bible clearly teaches that we will always, even in heaven, even in glory, even in that perfect environment, we will never be at a place as any created thing where we do not need him to continue. It will always be that way. So God wants us to learn to be constantly reliant and dependent upon him here. And that's why God placed his spirit inside of us, because it is, notice, the spirit who makes us adequate. That's why I had to give up fighting the Lord. I'll just use this one example. You all know it. You've heard it many times around the Oasis. Whenever God was leading me to start a church 11 plus years ago now. And my biggest, you know, reason why was, God, I'm not adequate. I don't have what it takes to start a church and plant a church and build a church from the, I don't have what it takes. And, he, and, he, and you got to get this picture in, in a way that only God can. And I'm hoping you have these experiences with God too. Otherwise, you're going to think I'm crazy, which you probably do anyway. But that's another thing. <laughs> Is that God literally like lovingly like took, took his hands and, and put them in, you know, my face, you know, like a, and he, he just said, Jeff, I know you're not adequate. You're not telling me anything as God that I don't already know. But I put my spirit inside of you, and my spirit will make you adequate. Well, guess what? I had no argument against that. Because it's God, and it's his word, and it's true. And it's like, yeah, you're right, God. You're right. And God has been faithful throughout either these 11 years or all 37 years I've been a pastor. I've never felt adequate. People say, oh, you, 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 you know, struggle with feelings of inadequacy. inadequacy. Well, we all should. If we're serving the Lord to the degree that he wants us to, we all should feel personally inadequate, which is why he gave us the Spirit, so that we will always lean and rely and depend upon him to take us to where we can go only with him and not apart from him. Whatever God is wanting you to do in your life, have the confidence that the Lord inside of you is the Spirit of God or that the Spirit inside of you is the Lord and that he will make you adequate to be his servant. Again, notice, based on the Spirit, verse 6. And then he says this, not on the letter. Meaning not about rules and regulations, but about that relationship that I need to build with God. Okay? Because literally, you know what he says? The letter kills so I'm going to use my own paraphrase here. When you as a Christian or I as a Christian try to serve the Lord through being a rule follower and following steps and checking off boxes, he said, do you realize that that does just the opposite? That literally will suck the life out of you rather than it literally will deprive you of life rather than giving you life. Don't. Live your life trying to be 
a rule follower. Don't live your life trying to check off boxes and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't work. In fact, it does just the opposite of what the Spirit can do. Because notice the third thing Paul mentions about the Spirit and why he indwells us. It is the Spirit, the end of verse 6, who gives us what? Life. Say, well, wait a minute. I'm a Christian. I already have eternal life. This is speaking about the fact that the Spirit of God not only in the beginning of verse 6, enables and equips us with all we need. But here it speaks about him empowering us and energizing us to be his servants. See, Paul's saying, you in Corinth who are trying to, to, you know, try real hard and check all the right boxes and be, you know, live your life with God based on rules rather than a relationship and nurturing that relationship, he said, that will suck the life right out of you. You will have no energy. You will have no strength and no power to serve the Lord. But when you and I learn to walk in the Spirit, when we learn to be filled with the Spirit, when we learn to be in tune with the Spirit and let the Spirit of God who lives within us take over, we will always have the strength, the power, and the energy we need to do what God has called us to do. If you as a Christian are in a place right now where you're serving the Lord, but you don't have the energy and the power to do it or the strength to do it, then one of two things, either we're not relying on the Spirit of God to empower or energize us, or we're taking on more than what God wants us to, because God will only energize us and empower us to do what he's asked us to do, not what others expect of us to do, or not what we've taken on that God never told us to take on. That may be why you're a little worn out and tired and burned out and you don't have the energy because Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You won't feel like you don't have the energy and the power to do it. But when I'm asking you to do something, make no mistake about it. God will give you all the energy and strength and power you need because he lives within you at all times. Let's move on. The fourth reason why the Spirit of God lives within us is because God not only wants to write a story through us, he wants to reveal his glory to others through us. Beginning in verse 7, Paul uses the Exodus story of Moses going up to the mountain and being in the presence of God and, and coming down, and, and people obviously... Uh, seeing that, that even the countenance of Moses changed and, and that his face had this glow on it and whatever. And that was glorious. No doubt about it. Paul even says, hey, that was glorious. But that glory faded. It, it wasn't permanent. And so notice what he says beginning in verse 8. How much more glorious will the ministry of the Spirit be? When you and I begin to live our lives and serve the Lord through the Spirit of God, it will even be more glorious than what Moses experienced. For if there was glory in the ministry that produced condemnation, verse 9, how much more does the ministry that produces righteousness excel in glory? Whew. Do you realize, first of all, you've got the glory of God in you? And because you've got the glory of God in you, 
God wants that glory of his to shine out and be manifested and made visible to, again, all those around you. Say, what's that really mean? It means that others, Christian or even non-Christian, can see that what you're doing and how you're doing it and all of that has a divine quality to it that can't be explained in human terms. Or say it this way, you have the fingerprints of God on you as you're doing it, you see. That's not them, that's God, because they could never do that, you see. That's glory. That's, that's the God behind it all being seen by others because we're not doing it in our own humanity, which is so limited. We're not doing it in our own strength or ability. No, we're doing it through the Spirit of God. So let me say this. I hope that every Wednesday and Sunday with me, that you all who come to the Oasis see that what you see through me is certainly not Jeff Royce. That it's God. Because Jeff Royce would fall flat on his face every Sunday and Wednesday. Jeff Royce has no ability to do this apart from the Spirit of God. It is only through the Spirit of God that I can in any way, teach you the Word of God, okay? It's the only way. It's got to be a demonstration of the Spirit of God. So that's like the highest compliment anybody could ever pay me is when they say something to the effect of, I know that's not you up there. I, I know that's not you up there. I know you. <laughs> I know your limitations. That's got to be God that's doing that. You're right. Thank you. Because that's, that's, that should be all of our heart's desire. That, that the ministry of the Spirit is glorious. And that people begin to see that the way we live our lives as God's servants and what we do and how we do it and the way we do it is beyond us. It can only be explained by the presence of God. I've said from day one when we started this church, I hope God does a work through the oasis that can only be explained by him, not by us. If it's something that we can do, there's only so much you and I could do, even if we band together. But when God's in the mix, when God begins to work, when God does it, he can go way beyond, way beyond what we could ever do, right? Which is why Paul said to the Ephesians, Thanks be to God, who, who can go exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. To him then be glory in the church. Why does Paul link those two together? Because he wants the church, even in Ephesus, to start living way beyond themselves to that everything and anything that they do has the fingerprints of God on it. It's God's glory that's showing up. It's not humanity that's showing up. It's not the best of humanity. It's God that's there. And that's why he placed the Spirit of God in us. Two more. If you get down to verse 17, it's one we sung about today. 
Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is present, there is freedom. Let me start there. If the Lord is the Spirit, then that means he's omnipresent, which means he's everywhere. So how can you say where the Spirit of the Lord is present, there is freedom? Because it's not a simple matter of him being present because he's God. Look at it more of he's being welcomed, he's being invited, he's being embraced. Yes, he's God. He's everywhere, just like God the Son and God the Father. But when you and I invite the Spirit in, when we welcome him in, when we embrace him into our lives and into our church's life, there will be freedom. Freedom from restraint, unfettered taking the chains off of our lives. Can Christians be enslaved to something? Absolutely. Is there something that and even in a Christian's life can get a grip or a hold or, or bound us up to where you and I cannot serve the Lord to the, to the degree or to the capacity that God designed us to and, and saved us to and, and even expects of us? Absolutely. But that's why he placed the Spirit of God in us, so that at any time throughout our life, especially as we grow as Christians, which we talked about in 2 Peter, that we will come to realize that the Spirit of God has the power to set me free, and that I don't have to be bound up and, and held by whatever it is that's holding me back and restraining me and, and keeping these chains on me. No, I want to break out so that I can serve the Lord to the utmost capacity. And Paul is saying, it's the Spirit of God that can set you free, Christian. Not only set us free from something, but set us free to be who God always sees us becoming, you see. But it's only through the Spirit of God. You and I can't do it. You know, many a human being has, down through history, tried to reform themselves. You know, pull themselves up by their own bootstraps, so to speak. I can do this on my own. I can beat this. And they end up basically beating themselves into the ground. Because they may overcome it for a time, but there is no sustaining it. There is no permanency to it. There is no complete freedom from it. it. It's always sort of there, if you will, and it comes back, and it can even come back in a vengeance. In fact, it can even come back worse than it did before, which is that principle where Jesus is talking to his followers, and he said, be careful when you maybe sweep out your house, and he's talking there about even demonic beings, and he said, if you don't fill that vacuum, and you just simply remove them, then twice as many can come back and inhabit that building than was there before because God built us to abhor a vacuum. And that vacuum in our life will be filled by something, you see. And so we've got to rely on the Spirit of God to set us free. Maybe one of the reasons why you as a Christian are being held back is because something's got a hold on you. And you need to be encouraged today and strengthened today in the fact that you have living within you all that you need to overcome it, to conquer it, because the Spirit, who is the Lord, lives inside of you. And you've got to come to trust 
that he can set you free. He can set you free. Another reason why the Spirit of God lives within us is notice what he says in verse 18. And we all with unveiled faces, reflecting the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, which is from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The Spirit is the divine change agent of the Trinity. He's the one who makes the changes in us. And notice, it's from one degree of glory to another, meaning it's two things. The change that God wants to continually bring about in all of our lives is both gradual and observable. Why? Because he wants his glory to be seen by others and because he wants to write a story through us to others that's being known and read by all around us. It is only the Spirit of God that can transform our lives. And this is a change that comes from the inside out, not the outside in. The only thing that man can do is man can try to work, him, work on himself from the outside in. It is God who starts at the heart level and works on us from the inside out. Again, so that the change is true and permanent and will be sustainable. And it's only by the Spirit of God that this transformation takes place. So one of the things that you and I have to come to grips with as a servant of God is this. If I'm serving the Lord and I'm doing it by the Spirit of God, then there's always, always going to be changes taking place in my life. See, we as human beings, we go, I don't like change. You should have thought of that before you accepted Christ as your Savior. <laughs> Sorry, because if you want to be the Christian that God designed us to be, your life will always be going through continual change up until the time you see Jesus. It's only then that when we see him, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. But until then, God placed his spirit inside of us so that there is a always gradual, yes, but a continual change taking place. Later on in this same book, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, very familiar verse, if anyone is in Christ, he's what? A new creation. Old things are always passing away, and there's always new things coming on board. That's the Christian life. See, we need to learn as Christians that part of being a servant is embracing change. And that change starts with us, because God always wants to be changing us to be more and more like him. So that again, as people observe and see us and hear us, they're seeing more of Jesus, his quality, his attributes and all of this. That's why in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it's called the fruit of Jeff. No. The fruit of Phil. No. Sorry, Phil. It's called the fruit of the what? Spirit. Because these qualities are what's supposed to be produced by the Spirit who lives inside of us so that people go, Jeff couldn't love like that, but Jeff's letting the Spirit love 
others that way. Jeff could never be that joyful, but that's the joy that comes from the Spirit. Jeff could never be at peace like that, have that kind of tranquility in his life, that calm composure, but it's the Spirit of God that's allowing him to do that, you see. That's that change. And so throughout our Christian life, God always wants us to become more and more loving, more and more joyful, more and more at peace, more and more self-controlled. On and on it goes. And it's only, notice, from the Lord who is the Spirit. And that's part of being a servant. See, again, full circle now. If God wants to write a story through our lives, as we saw back at the beginning of the chapter, God first has to write in us before he can write something through us. And God first has to be allowed by us to make the changes and the transformation he wants to make so that he can continue to write his story through us to others to impact and influence their lives. And it can be fellow Christians, it can be unbelievers, it can be anybody and everybody. It doesn't matter. We don't limit who God wants to touch through our life, which can I say is another reason why Sometimes being a servant of God is being allow, uh, allowing God to do with our life whatever he wants, including taking us through times of trial and tribulation and suffering or whatnot so that others can observe the God in us and what that God can do and who that God is, you see. That's what it means to be a servant. So again, I say, being a servant of God is way more who we are than what we do. Keep that in mind, because that's one of the things that Paul's going to continue to sort of hammer home as we go through the book of 2 Corinthians. Yes, serving the Lord is, you know, being on our tech team and worship team and hospitality and security and, all, you know, working in the children's ministry and all these different things that you and I can do being involved in small groups and cleaning the church and youth ministry and all that, that's all serving the Lord, but it's way beyond that. It's way more than that. It is realizing that every moment I'm breathing, I'm serving the Lord. Because God wants to write his story through me to touch other people's lives. I'm going to ask our worship team to come at this point. Here's what I want to ask of you today. Two, two things. Are you letting God write a story through you? Are you letting God write his story through you? See, many times, even as Christians, we want to write our own story, right, of our life. No. When I realize I'm a servant of God and I do not belong to myself anymore, I belong to Jesus, it's not me writing my own story with my life. It's letting God write his story that he wants to write with my life. Are we letting God do that? And second, if God has begun to write something either on your heart or continue to write something on your heart this morning. 
as you journey through this life and you see where you are with that God story, maybe some of you today would go, you know what, Pastor? I would appreciate prayer for me as I navigate letting God write his story through me. And it can be for any and every reason. Maybe you're just hitting a wall. Maybe you're just going through a struggle right now. Maybe you need extra encouragement. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know what it is. And it doesn't even have to be something negative. But as God is writing his story through your life, you may just say, you know what? I just want to be prayed for. So as we sing this song today, maybe some of you just want to come here. I provided extra room up here for you to come and just pray here. But if you come, please allow me after this song is over to pray for you and to just pray for you as God writes his wonderful, unique, and beautiful story through your life. Would you stand with me as we look to the Lord for all that we need for him to write his story through our lives?